Hi, I'm Art, and welcome to The Art of Value Investing, episode 10, Reach Double Figures. I'm a value investor, but Art is not my real name. That's how I feel like I can speak freely on here without any complications in the rest of my life. Why the art of value investing? Investing is art more than science, as much as people would like to think it's a science. As, and as Andy Warhol said, being good in business is the most fascinating kind of art. Making money is art and working is art and good business is the best art. I don't work professionally as an analyst or fund manager. Just invest with, my, with personal money. I don't have an MBA. I have completed executive education courses through Stanford and Columbia Business School, which I think is still the intellectual home of value investing. I've also read a lot of books on value investing. I'm not an advisor though, I'm not giving any advice here, do your own research. I'm just talking to myself as much as you, just working through my own thoughts and ideas on a weekly basis. Do your own research, don't buy any stocks based on what I say here. I don't spend, I'm not spending much time editing this podcast, as you may be well aware, so it may, may be a bit rough at times, that's so I can spend more time devoted to research and analysis rather than making podcast content. Okay, in today's show, I'm going to talk about Tobias Carlyle's Deep Value ETF, which is new, and what I forgot to say in the following podcast, I am recording this afterwards, um... The expense ratio is 0.8% for this, so it's not a, it's not one of your very cheap ETFs, uh, it is, but it's an active fund. He does a lot of work for it, so I'm fine with it. Just thought I'd mention that. It's also thinly traded, so when you buy it, don't expect it to go through if you buy it. Not, I'm not encouraging you to. Um, and also... Um, the podcast where I got this from, where I got his, the quote from where he's talking is from the Stansbury Invest Hour. I think I said Stansbury a few times. It's the Stansbury Invest Hour with, with Dan Ferris. I apologize to Dan about that. Okay, feel free to message me your thoughts and questions. You can leave an audio message at anchor.fm. It's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash art of value investing. I'm on Twitter at The Art of Value, or you can old-fashioned email me, theartofvalueinvesting at gmail.com. Okay, let's get into it. So, it's been a couple of weeks since I last did an episode. That's because last week I, well, I was pretty busy with other things. It's getting to that time of year. But also I had lost my voice, I lost my voice, I couldn't obviously do a podcast that was unexpected, but it was only for, ended up moving for a couple of days, I thought I was heading into a, a non-COVID flu type thing, but it seems to have subsided, so that's great. So, a lot has happened in the two weeks, wow, a lot has happened. Uh, we've had the US election, of course, and everybody knows what happened there, and then you know, in terms of the market, it's uh, it seemed to surge on news that Biden had won. Maybe it would have surged if Trump had won. Uh, and then 
you know, on that day where the surge was coming, there was the virus vaccine news from Pfizer, which really gave it a boost, but it was unexpected because what happened was, and this is relevant to what topic I'm going to talk about today, um, tech stocks took a dive and I guess you could say industrial stocks or I'm, I'm hesitant to say value stocks because I mean, what is it by? It's not the way that I think of value. Value is anything underpriced, mispriced, right? But um, what people, some people call value stocks versus growth stocks got a huge boost and they're, you know, COVID beaten down stocks. I mean, even airlines, cruise lines, all that kind of thing. It took, uh, got a big boost. And that was really interesting to see because I think we've kind of maybe got a glimpse of what's going to happen when COVID does, does subside. And it's far from that in the US. Record number of cases I see overnight. Uh, again, uh, but this there seems to be the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering that as we see more of the light at the end of the tunnel, which it's, I think it's going to take longer than people think, but the market is forward thinking. But at the moment, it's bouncing up and down. It's been very volatile, hasn't it? But it's interesting that uh, tech stocks that are, that I think are overpriced right now. So, you know, all those work from home, uh, work from home names, Zoom. I mean, Zoom is obviously doing very well because people are using it. But some of these stocks, I think, have been uh, bid up hugely. And uh, they, some of them may fall back, and they've been moving as a group. Or a lot of stock, tech stocks have been moving as a group, and very highly high multiples, and other stocks have been way left behind, easing down. And so that's interesting. And one other market piece of market news before I get into it, into what I'm going to talk about today, is uh, Warren Buffett, Berkshire, the news that they've been buying back. 9 billion of their own stock in the third quarter, which is a surprise. Many people were surprised by how much they'd bought back. I think it's the most shares bought back that they ever have in their history. And they've been buying back the A shares and the B shares, $9 billion worth over the quarter. It's a substantial amount to buy, so they, you know, they haven't been doing it all at once, obviously. Uh, but you know, that's the fact that they think that's, I mean, that's one of the beaten down stocks, really, or undervalued, let's say undervalued, Buffett, think, Buffett and Munger think it's undervalued, I mean, and that, that's that's what they're doing with their money, I mean, they've got still got a lot of cash, about $9 billion substantial, so that was very interesting, it's a stock I own, by the way, Berkshire Hathaway, B shares, I bought, bought them, probably bought them, bought some back in March, when they had a low then that they haven't done much but obviously since that they've gone up since that news came out they've gone up so this is one if you compare it to the tech stocks berkshire is one even though it's a hugely it's a huge company i mean i think it's one of those ones that could that i well i'm expecting to do well over the next few years and i think and buffett and Munger obviously think it's very undervalued okay which brings me to what i'm going to talk about today which is deep value deep value and specifically the deep value etf um 
which is brought to us by largely by Tobias Carlyle, who, if you read The Acquirer's Multiple Book, I've read that several times. In fact, I just read it recently. Um, disclosure, the full disclosure I have, I've made an investment in deep this ETF. I'm just not into ETFs at all. But this one, I didn't actually realise that he was doing this until I heard this heard a podcast, which I'll play a snippet of you today for you today. Stainsbury Investor Hour with Dan Ferris. Uh, Toby's Tobias has been on a few podcasts recently. Is a um, YouTube videos. I'll, I'll link to a couple of them. These are long. These are an hour long. So he, I urge you to to listen to at least one of these. Perhaps the one that I'll play a snippet from. Uh, the Stainsbury Investor Hour. It's over an hour long, so explains his background and what he's doing to really understand it. And I encourage you to read The Acquirer's Multiple Book if you haven't already. Explains what he's doing. So I already knew a lot about Tobias, and I knew that they, you know, there's a site where you, a subscription site where you pay to see Inquirer's multiple stocks, um, and the book explains what that is. Um, I could explain a little bit about it. Um, if I understand it correctly, I'm terrible. I'm, I think I'm not very good at explaining. Tobias is very good, obviously. Um, so it, it's a kind of an offshoot of um, Joel Greenblatt's magic formula. So it's basically, I mean, very basically, return on capital. Um, or I mean, Joel Greenblatt uses return on capital, which Tobias doesn't really do. He just uses the other metric. Uh, so it's kind of simpler, uh, and it's he uses enterprise value to um, to operator earnings. So, and that's so that's one the the metric. That's pretty much the basic metric, and that seems too basic. And it's not quite that basic. Uh, so in the CTF, he's found companies that that are. Uh, that he thinks are undervalued based on that metric, but there's all, it also comes other things come into it where he talks about. Um, I mean, the debt looks into the looks into the company further than that. It's just that not that multiple. So they're basically the cheapest companies based on that multiple, and um, but you know he, they they do go further into coverage to make sure that the, that the company's good in other ways, like there's not too much debt and so on. I haven't explained that very well, have I? I do know it better than that, but I haven't explained it. Never mind. I, I think you should listen. You should uh, dig into what Tobias says about it if you and read, just read the book. Um, but what's interesting about Deep Value? I mean, I know they had a big fund, big you know, big cap fund. I'm not so into big caps, honestly. I think because small cap, small caps and micro caps have, as I've ex said before, have a much better chance. Much better probability, easier to grow 10x. You know, if it's under a billion dollars and it can grow to 10 billion, that's easier than a hundred billion dollar company growing 10x. This is that basic thing, and that's come that's from a hundred the book 100 Bakers by Chris Meyer. If you read that too, that'll explain that that's one of the the common the common traits of companies that go 100 100 Bakers, they start small and grow big. It just stands to reason. So and also, they're not, you know, small companies, not so many analysts. Um, they're kind of 
areas that a lot of people aren't looking at. So, you know, I've, I definitely have found a few. I noticed one company recently that I've got 150% growth out of in the past year. And I see, I see a lot of even value investors are kind of looking at it now, which it's here, H -E, ticker H-E-A-R, H-E-A-R, Turtle Beach, which sells headphones, uh, gaming headphones. And, and I bought it last year. Uh, was it the beginning of this year? I can't remember, but it was, it's up 150% and this was before COVID. And obviously I, was, I bought it with the intention. It looked good to me and the, it was like four P four or five. So it was a really, it was deep value and it, it had a little debt. It had sorted itself out. It used to have a lot of debt. Uh, there was, you know, that I saw they got a boost when the Fortnite gaming surprise and then it went up and down. So it's been cyclical. They had new management a while ago. I saw the CEO was buying shares. Um, new console games were coming out at the end of this year. So I thought, well, I'll give it one to three years and see what happens. And I thought there might be a spike. So this is not a long-term compounder. It might be, but I don't think so. Um, I mean, headphones are kind of a commodity, aren't they? They're about as, as uh, Bruce Greenwald says everything was a toaster eventually and you go into a shops and there are you know multiple four or five headphone brands so but anyway it has re-rated um, as as COVID came along and work from home people bought a lot of headphones online so it was an early spike earlier than I expected and now gaming consoles are coming out and it's I noticed that it actually spiked before gaming consoles came out last time so I don't know this is a huge discretion, but anyway, that's that's uh, a success that I had recently where it was more, more than 150% re-rating from, and it was a less, it, it was less than $200 million company, I think, 250 or it might have even been less when I, when I bought it. It's, um, and now it's the PE is around 15, I think, or a bit less than that, and so it's still not expensive value people are looking at it now I see anyway back to deep so Tobias has started this the small and micro cap fund which is interesting to me that's deep value an ETF so he's picked names the cheapest uh, deep value stocks and I have bought some up it's about I'm building it up to five about five percent of my portfolio I think what Tobias says is really good, and I think he's going to be right. And I'm willing to give him and it a shot because I agree. And he does a lot of work, a lot of research to pick the names. Probably better than I could. I'm, I'm never going to buy that many names. I'm stuck picking small amount of names, but this is quite a few names. Uh, and they're all anyway. I'm going to play you what he says straight from his mouth because it's important to, to for him to explain what he is saying and it's from this Dainsbury investor i'm going to link to this it's a it's a 67 minute podcast it's all really interesting and i just want where i'm sure i hope that uh, dan ferris doesn't mind me but i'm going to link to it so this is just a small snippet snippet and it explains what the deep value fund is and what they're doing and it's i think it's very interesting based on the acquirer's multiple 
No, we've been we've been managing it since June. So that that long portfolio there is very similar to what you'll find in SIG, um, because that's a larger cap portfolio. When we took it over, it was a large cap ETF, uh, but we've we took it over explicitly with the intention of making it a small and micro ETF for the reason that small and micro value is so beaten up. It's been a decade or more of just having the stuffing taken out of it. And it's really hard for small and micro value um, strategy, small and micro value managers to even have survived this period of time. So there's really not very many small and micro funds available. What they tend to be is they're, they're index type funds where they hold, they've got hundreds and hundreds of holdings. What we are doing is, you know, it's just like any any managed account. We're, we're just going to be wrapping it in an ETF. It's what I think are the best opportunities in small and micro um, in the US. And the, I'm just, as I go through the names, that I, I know what names are going to be in there because I had this, that, that's already been handed over and that'll be traded in on Friday, available on Monday 26th. I know what names are going in there now. I'm astonished at the names that have fallen into the small micro basket because what, what has happened with value, it's been so beaten up, they've all shrunk. So all the companies that – I used to think of these companies as being pretty big um, enterprises and now they just they haven't gone anywhere for 10 years. The market's grown around them. In some cases, they've shrunk. And they've, they're, they're very high-quality names that have fallen into – uh, the small and micro value bucket. And so I, I'm more than happy to be the one who scoops them up. And I think if you look at, so it, just going back to the way that I was thinking about valuation before, if you look at the yield, you know, which is dividend and buyback and the growth, which is basically what they're earning on what they've got invested in them and project that forward, I think that small and micro value and large cap value are now primed to deliver better returns, whether they get the multiple re-rating or not. So it's not we don't need the market to recognise how good these businesses are. We're at a point now where the yield is so good and the growth is so good that even if they stay depressed at these multiples, they're still going to deliver better returns than the market. I realise that's a very bold call, but I think that over a period of three to five years, that will become obvious that that is the case. And then, of course, once that becomes obvious, then you get the multiple expansion as well. But they're now so compressed, they're so beaten up that it's not going to require multiple multiple expansion for them to work. Okay. So I just find that fascinating. And I think you'll be right. So over the next few years, these stocks will re-rate. I mean, if you think about this in comparison to tech stocks, which are, the multiples are so high, and the stocks that he's talking about uh, that they're putting into their ETF are so low that was basically rotation, and we saw a glimpse of that. We did see a glimpse of that this week um, when the vaccine was announced. I mean, this fund, I mean, I bought it before that. Uh, the fund, it, it jumped, and you can see a glimpse of what could happen there. Um, so you can see it's starting to work. It's kind of dropped back um, as things have drop back again but over the next few years i think he's i think he's going to be right i do i think it, it'll work but don't take my word for it i'm 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 invested money in it um 
And I, the thing is, that when I, I didn't know that they had this fund, and then he announced it on this podcast. So I heard, we didn't announce it. He just, I, it was already existed. It started on the 26th of October, by the way. That was the first day. It traded with the new names. As he said, they took it over. They put new names in it. And I see, I mean, I'm looking at the page now. I'll put the link to it. Uh, of the of the holdings, when he was talking about some of the names. And, you know, they're only... The top holding is 1.24%, and it sort of goes down to uh, 0.79% is the smallest holding, and there's 0.14% cash and other. And so the top ones, Berkshire Hills Bank Corp, 1.24%. That's the top holding, you know, the top is Grey Television, Scan Source, DXB Enterprises, Cactus, Green Brick Partners. So, you know, they're, as he just explained what they are. Uh, let me see if there's any that I can see that are, I mean, some of them are obviously uh, ones that are, that people haven't heard of, but, you know, so, um, anyway, there's de- definitely some financials there. There's financial sectors beaten down. Anyway, that's kind of all I wanted to say about that. I mean, I I was I was really happy to find this out because I was I mean I am looking at smaller micro cap that are undervalued, and I mean I do have about half uh, my stocks are in tech. I have to say, but I, that's because I found uh, what I think is undervalued tech, and with good price or 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 growth tech that I think. Is not necessarily too undervalued, just slightly. That's got 10x to it, and uh, you know I've done a a podcast about Spotify. When I started to look at it, I've been looking at it more and more, and I do like it. I like it even at where it is now, around 45, jumping jumping around between 45 and 50 billion dollars. I've listened to quite a lot of uh, Daniel Ek talking lately. I've been chasing down podcast interviews with him. And he, it's very—he's very impressive. He—he he thinks like an investor, which is which is great to hear about growing, basically growing at twenty-five to thirty percent a year, compounding. He thinks the opportunities ten x from where they are now, ten to fifteen x from where they are now, in the billions of people, like Facebook has been. Uh, you know, in relation to Netflix, if you look what happened to that. So I mean, obviously, I'd. I've only got a. I've just started getting a small holding, and I don't think um, I would like it to go down to about 150 from where it is, 260 at the moment. Uh, I just don't know if it is, but it's not a FOMO thing. I just, um, it's a ten year, at least ten year, thing for that. So it's. I'm not looking for. It's not. That's not deep value. Um, but I'm okay with that, and I'm looking for a 10% position there. But this is different. I mean, maybe I'll go for a ten percent position. I haven't. I'll, I'll think about five. But it's funny if if things start to re-rate. Of course, uh, more people will be keen on this, and it will. People will jump on the bandwagon. That's part of it. I mean, he was talking about multiple re-rating later on. When this starts to work, if it starts to work, and it's been ten years. I mean, you know, he said ten years of beaten beaten down so people have just lost all pretty much lost all hope value managers and small cap have been throwing in the towel um 
I do think it's the timing's right, but you just never, you don't know. It could go on for a lot longer. This could go, go for it, but I do think it will happen. And, and as he said, you don't need the multiple re-rating re for this to work. So I'm, I'm impressed by this and I've, I was impressed by, by his book. Um, I'm also like, um, I mean, I was also impressed by Joel Greenblatt's uh, uh, Magic Formula. That's one of the first, no, not one of the first things I read, but, and I, I didn't, I don't actually do that. I don't actually invest that way, but I, I, offer, I sometimes use that list as well to find cheap stocks and then sort of dive into it further as a starting point because they are kind of good value, but they do, his list only looks at the last year of performance. So it's good to go to look in. I mean, if some of these companies have got higher return on capital and they're cheap, which is what they're looking for, but over just over one year, we want to go and look and see if that's going to continue, which his list doesn't do. It just sort of works on average. But that's another story. I highly recommend looking into that too, just, you know, as a educational thing or even to do it. Um, but I... That's all I've got to say today. I'll keep this short, and uh, my voice is still not fully recovered. But uh, that's what I wanted to say, and I'll link to uh, a bit of Tobias speaking with the podcast about about deep, deep value. All right, see you next time.